With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bash Mania podcast. This is episode 183. And it is brought to you by our great friends at Attack. Champions aren't born, they're made. Attack is a training app for athletes. They're here to help you level up. Guys, I've been talking about Attack since the minute they launched their app, and I love this thing. And if you're not following them on social, you're missing out because they just continue to elevate their game. Download the Attack app, A-T-A-C, and you can level up your training with nutrition, with mentality stuff, with workouts, with training, you name it. Attack is here to help you level up. Download the Attack app, A-T-A-C, and follow them on social. They're Attack, A-T-A-C dot A-P-P. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Yeah. Colin, we have two directions we can go right out of the gate. We can talk wrestling or we can just talk Bills Browns. <laughs> I mean, it is combine no, week. This is my uh this is my my off time of the year where I don't uh I try not to remember that the Browns exist to give give my mental state a break. A but bit. you're you're a big baseball guy too, right? Tribes fan? Yeah, I honestly I wish I followed it a little bit better. Um but yeah, I love the tribe. Yeah, it, it's always funny like you and I started following each other years ago on Twitter and it's always funny when you connect with the people that wrestling is like the second or third thing you tweet about the most. Like I feel like we're always going back and forth with football and this and that. So it's yeah. been fun. This this episode is is kind of overdue been wanting to have you on for a while and I always try to have people on when it makes the most sense for them, get their story out there more. And between big tens this weekend, you're a three time big 10 champ, your two ranking series win. I figured now is as good as time as ever. Let's start right off with those ranking ranking series trips because you looked phenomenal. You won in Croatia early February. You won in Egypt last week. How are those trips for you? And they were awesome. Uh, I I hadn't competed until since like Final X, uh, way back in June. So it had been probably almost what six months, seven months since I had stepped on the mat um, in competition. So that was uh, that was interesting. I felt just like very excited to finally like get back out on the mat and wrestle. Yeah, you had um, to be itching. And, yeah. And then I saw my my draw, and I had uh, I think Nurmagomedov. I think that's his name. The first match, he was a bronze yeah. medalist last year. Um, so I was like, "All right, cool." Like first first <laughs> right. match in six months. Like, all right, world bronze medalist. Let's do it. 
Um, but Croatia was awesome. It was a it was a really smooth trip. The city was cool, and really all you can ask for on those trips are is the the hotel good and is the food good. So if those two things are good, then that's all I care. How about, much really. of the trip are you able to actually enjoy? Like it's cool. I saw some of you guys went to the pyramids and stuff. Like it's got to be like a blessing and a curse because it's so cool to go to somewhere like that. But it's also a business trip. Like Chenzo yeah. was initially going to be on this episode and he just got back. He's like sick right away. I'm like, yeah, dude, like you flew to Egypt to wrestle a few matches, flew across the world home. Like that's a lot, but it is still cool. I got to imagine to be able to do some of those things, even in a compressed time frame. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so like in Croatia, we got there, I think maybe five or six days before I competed. Um, so the first like day or two is uh, really when you get to like, go explore um you don't want to do like too much but if there's anything to see uh you go walk around and that was a nice part about it too was we were right in the city so everything was within like a 20 minute walk yeah uh, you didn't have to like get in a car or egypt to go see the pyramids or even going to alexandria alexandria was 30 minutes away from our hotel so like even to go see stuff there yeah was an all-day thing um so but you can't just sit in the hotel room all day or you'll kind of lose <laughs> right. your <mind. laughs> so, right. so it's just finding that balance of like going out and exploring, um, but not, you know, not overdoing it. And so by the time competition comes around, you're like too tired uh, and don't feel like excited and like ready to go do something. So the first two days I usually go out and explore and then leading up to it, probably two days before I kind of just, lock myself down so i feel like really excited just to like get out of the hotel room and, and go and go compete how long are those flights to egypt uh they were brutal i think we went from chicago to istanbul which was like a 10-hour flight on the way there and 11-hour flight on the way back dude i don't know how you do it like i'm the same quote-unquote size as you like six foot just over 200 pounds obviously our builds are very different you're in shape i'm not but being six foot, 200 pounds, like, and being on a plane for a while is not the easiest thing just for an everyday person, let alone when you're using your body and you're going over there to compete. Like, what is that like when you get off the plane? I got to imagine your body's like sore just from the travel. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely takes a lot out of you. Um, and hopefully, you know, there's not a lot of people on the flight. So sometimes you get lucky and you get your own row, yeah. um, that was not the case on the Egypt flight. <laughs> so that was that was kind of brutal. Um, but the the hardest part is just uh, timing up your sleep, honestly, because uh, it was. I left Tuesday night and I got into Alexandria uh, Thursday morning at like four a.m. So it was it was right around like twenty twenty eight twenty six hours of travel total. Um, so you just kind of try and time up your sleep, um, at local time, wherever you're competing, and then just try and grind through it on the planes. I'd be um, passing out left and right on the plane. <laughs> like, yeah. I, mean, I never yeah, really thought about trying to force yourself to stay awake on a plane. Cause you got to time your, your sleep the right way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit of a science and sometimes you get lucky and sometimes it doesn't work out and then you end up, you know, just basically like sleep whenever you can overseas yeah. um, but luckily I, I 
I've been adjusting really well whenever I go over there. Um, so that's been nice. But Egypt, yeah, we got over there Thursday and wrestled Sunday. So it was kind of a shorter trip. Yeah. Um, to adjust time wise, uh, which, you know, it, it just really depends on what you like. So I, I like getting there earlier and having enough time to adjust and like, um, just, I want to feel like a little pimped up and ready to go. Because uh, I know for Worlds and Olympics, you obviously have like whole acclimation camps and everything else. But for like this, you don't do that. You guys kind of skip that phase. No. So, yeah, these these we don't do that. You're just there for like five days, usually uh, five or six days. Um, but sometimes it is nice to just get over there. You have like two days to get ready and then you go compete. And it's quick yeah. and you're just like there to the point. Um, and it was nice for I didn't fly out till Tuesday morning. Um, so the Monday after I competed is when. I got to go down to Cairo and see the pyramids and I didn't have to worry about, you know, feeling stressed out about competition and stuff like that. So it, it worked out. Yeah. It makes sense. And you are back at 92 this year, which if I remember correctly, 2020, you were, well, 2021, I guess, Olympics, you were obviously up at 97, came back down to 92 or came down to 92 for 2020 what was it? One world championships. And then last year, um, 97, now 92. How has that been like trying to hone in on that weight? Obviously some years you don't have as much of a choice as others. Yeah. So, I mean, ideally you want to be at an Olympic weight. Um, it just makes more sense. Um, you know, if you make that team in metal, it's a lot easier process to make the Olympic team. Um, so I, I was trying to stay at 97, uh, which I feel comfortable, really comfortable at both weights. Um, they're they're close enough, and there's enough time in between competitions where you can get up and down pretty easily. Um, but with Jaden going up to 97 this year, uh, 92 seemed like the way to go. Um, instead of trying to go through Jaden and Kyle, you know, I might as well just go and see if I can make a, a world team, you know, when I can. Um, or what's kind of the an easier weight, um, in metal, and then maybe you know sit in the sit in the semis at Olympic trials instead of trying to go through that gauntlet two years in a row. They should definitely just nix this whole thing, make it eight weights, eight weights, for the whole cycle instead of this ten to six, ten to six, because it is interesting too. Like you have these like years like this where the Olympic weights look so different than the non-Olympic weights. And I imagine for you, I mean, you're more comfortable at either one, but it's funny because looking through your career, the last two years, your only domestic losses are to world and Olympic champs and medalists, Snyder and Cox. And even yeah. we'll talk college in a little bit, but even the final two years of your college career, you only lost to Bo, your junior, didn't lose your senior year. So it's yeah. like you're you're seeing more than I think a lot of people the depth of this country. Yeah. And as a fan, I think depth is really fun and it's great for marketing. When you try to market Spencer Lee versus somebody, it's very hard. It's just about Spencer. Yeah. When you when you market two guys who's going to make the team, that's great for the sport. But as an athlete, like, you know, it's funny. You start seeing some people look back like I forgot who it just was. Who's 
NCAA career was like they wrestled Dake one year, Burroughs one year. Forgot who it was, but you look back and you see what's that? Tyler Caldwell, I think. Yes. Yeah. Hey, those guys. It's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, like looking back, it's crazy. You don't even need that time to see the guys around you and, and their talent. But what is your perspective when you are in that position where you have these guys? It's not like I feel like if it was a guy who is on the same level as you accolade wise, that that's one thing. You've got some of the best to ever do it in your weight. What is the perspective like being a weight like that? Uh, I think the the cool thing about it is basically you you feel really confident that if you win that weight, you can win or medal at worlds. I mean, there's there's some weights where we medal maybe one year, maybe we don't. Um, yep. But if you're, if you're making the team at that weight and you're beating a seven-time medalist and uh, you know a four-time world champ, Olympic champ, you got to feel really confident going into that world championships or Olympics being like, I can do this. Like I, I can medal. Like I have a, a legitimate shot, um, which I feel like most guys feel anyways, but it, yeah. it, it does give like extra set of confidence. Like if I beat this guy, there's a good chance that I, I can take it home at, at the worlds or Olympics. Um, yeah, so and- that's, that's kind of the thought process on it. And it's funny you say that because it's like, you know, as I get more and more relationships in the sport and I get even more of a look behind the curtain, it's like some of these guys know their hardest match is potentially here at the States to make the team. You talk about a weight like 97 where you got to go through the gauntlet of guys like Snyder and Cox. You go through 74, Burroughs and Dake. Like some of these guys like Chenzo wants to make the Olympic team at 74. You got to beat. Olympic and world champs just to make our team. But if you do that, who can't you beat? That's yeah, the, yeah, that's the crazy thing. Do you think that the depth we're seeing now is why we're seeing so many guys compete for other countries? It seems like that trend is, you know, on the rise. Like I put out um, content all the time with like who's competing and Americans competing. And I usually get that from USA wrestling from people telling me. And I'm always like, well, I don't really exclude these other people who are I'll all of a sudden see Ben Hannes competing for Italy, Sebastian Rivera competing for Puerto Rico, um, Michich competing for Serbia. Like you see all these people, and it seems like that trend is is growing more and more. And talking to some of the guys, it sounds like even more want to try to do that next year. Yeah, I mean, it it makes a lot of sense. Um, I totally get why they're doing that, and I think the depth is so crazy right now that you could have, you know, multiple guys from America have the potential to medal and win the world championships. Yeah. Um, so instead of trying to peak twice in a year for, you know, the trial, maybe even three times for the trials and then final X. And then again, in two months at worlds, I think people are just starting to realize like, oh, I'll just go wrestle for a different country, make the team pretty easy. And then I just have to, peak and compete really well at the world championships and instead of wrestling this guy two or three times to make the team and then worlds i'll just do it at worlds yeah see it out and it's funny because like you know in egypt chenzo's wrestling anthony valencia his teammate in arizona (laughs) but it's like on paper it's the same side 
Yeah, it's like USA versus Mexico in the like it was either prelim or eighth final round, whatever they call it. But it's it's so funny that you see so much of that. And you already have so many USA guys entering. Um definitely crazy. Also, so at that same notion, we are seeing a lot of like powerhouse RTCs develop where we have guys wrestling where you have like let's say the NWC where they're getting guys like Snyder and they also have somebody like Bexod or Franklin Gomez. Ohio RTC has been pretty quiet through it all. You seem pretty loyal to Ohio RTC, to Ohio in general. I, I saw it during the Brown season. We won't go back there. Um, but Ohio RTC does seem a little quiet right now. W- what's the vibe like in Columbus at the RTC level? Like, w- what's your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have the the tools to make it happen. I think, you know, all those guys um, that had success at Ohio RTC, the, the same setup and tools are there that they were five or six years ago when we had a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of times just what happens is guys get good. They get maybe offers or, or coaching opportunities or, or more money somewhere else. And they just take it. Um, and whatever makes sense to that person, whatever they feel comfortable in their training, that's what they're going to do. Um, but I think right now at the Ohio RTC, we're, we're waiting on some, some college guys from Ohio state that want to continue their careers um, after they graduate. Yeah. And so we're trying to, I think just hold some space for them because there is a lot more money in wrestling, but the, it's not infinite money. Yeah. So yeah. You, we, we don't really want to, uh, I don't think we want to, you know, fill up those spots with a bunch of guys from, from other teams. And, yeah. uh, and then when guys graduate, they don't feel like they have a place here at home. Uh, so we want to keep those guys. They've came through our program and they know what, uh, you know, what training looks like at Ohio State and Ohio RTC. And I think we're just trying to to wait um, for some of those guys to graduate and then compete at the senior level. Have you ever entertained leaving Ohio? I mean, you obviously grew up in Ohio. You went to high school, what, like an hour away from Columbus? Yeah. Yeah. So you're like as Ohio as it gets. Have you ever contemplated leaving even just you know you're starting to see some guys i think just want to change the scenery at times whether they go you know across the country to warm weather whether like you said a coaching opportunity have you contemplated anything or are you just pretty much set ohio i've definitely looked into it i mean a lot of people have have offered me positions in other places um but you know when i when i really look at it it's like these are the people that that got me to where I am. I've had success with all these people um, and I'm still having success. So when I look at other training situations, um, you know, nothing is that much different, at least partner wise than what I have yeah. at Ohio State. You know, there's a lot of depth in, in these weight classes at the senior level, but honestly, I think as the higher you get up in weight class, just the less and less guys compete internationally for the U S. And so looking at other RTCs, nothing is that much different or better than what I have at Ohio state. So it doesn't make sense really for me to leave my home. My family's an hour and a half away. I grew up in Ohio. Columbus is, is home to me. So nothing has, has pulled me that greatly away from, 
where I'm really comfortable and, and feel successful at. And you have so many relationships. Like I know Dustin Myers, your strength coach, you guys have a, a great relationship. What has that been like having those relationships that are so long that, you know, it's some, I feel like some people only judge success or accolades based on current level or a, a certain tier that they kind of set in their mind. How have you've obviously had success? So I don't ask this ignorantly, but how have you defined the success you've had to where it's like, I don't need a change of scenery, you know, Tom Ryan and Dustin Myers and all these people around you are what you need. Yeah. I think for me, success is just be competing better than you did the last time, honestly. Um, and I think what's nice about having these long lasting relationships and you get so close to these guys is they just know so much about everything in your life. So yeah. it's real easy to come back from something and be like, I don't know, this didn't really feel right. Uh, I want to change a little bit here and they can, they just, they know you very well to kind of like either say, no, I think what we're doing is right. I think we just need to buy into it a little bit more or, okay, like, yeah, let's change, let's change something up. And I think that's where I'm at with, with all these guys. And um, I just feel really grateful for that. Going back to the college for a bit, you know, you did have so much success. You three time big 10 champion. You were in the finals all four years. Bo's my buddy. He's probably not as good of a friend to you, um, but you did have so much success there. You know, going back to 2020 for a minute, I'm obviously a Penn state fan. And, you know, like not seeing Chenzo go to NCAAs in 2020 hurt me, but he was yeah. even just a top contender. You were the top, top contender. You were 27-0 your senior year. You had just won your third Big Ten championship. And, you know, it's funny because as time passes, like initially on the podcast, it was a lot of fun to talk about. Not, not necessarily fun. I use that term loosely. But it was interesting to yeah. talk about how people were reacting from having that kind of stolen away from you. Now there's been time removed and it's digested a little bit more. I'm curious, you know, now we're already three years removed from that, which is absolutely crazy. How have those three years been from kind of digesting that? And, you know, I, I'm sure there's a part of you that knowing what a competitor you are, you'll probably never let some of it go but you've also, yeah. I'm sure, let a lot of it go. How has that been for you? Yeah, man. And, I mean, it's just probably the most unique experience that uh, you go through as an athlete. Um, you know, you always try to just focus on stuff you can't control. And then this thing comes on, and it's like nobody can control it. It's nobody's, you know. Um, so I think at first I was, I was actually just really – like okay with it um i think i knew that i was the best in the weight class and i was gonna win so in my mind i was like you know it's whatever like i'm still gonna wrestle my career's not over i'm gonna go do bigger and better things and just keep training like nothing really changed besides i didn't get my hand raised yeah um but i think that's the thing that you know like you said you'll always hold on to a little piece of it um I think just, you know, missing out on that experience of, you know, after being there three times and not getting it done, 
you know, missing that feeling of finally Saturday night, you win it, get your hand raised, and, you know, without a doubt, uh, you're a national champion. I think that's the thing that will always kind of, like, stick with me a little bit, that what if. But, you know, at the same time, going back to, like, can't control it. So, honestly, I don't think about it that much. Um, It's a little crazy what the NCAA did. After Beyond that, crazy. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giving everyone who got to wrestle uh, another year, anyways. That was just uh, a slap in the face. That was the like, yeah, just the kick you like, when you're down. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool, that, I that, guess. Yeah. That was, that was a joke. Um, and it's interesting, too, because, like I said earlier, we've been following each other for a long time. And I know one thing you, you're very consistent with, aside from your, blind loyalty to the Browns is your faith. And, you know, I I love the verse in your Instagram bio, Acts 2024, which talks about, you know, finishing the race, completing the task Jesus gives us. I'm curious, you know, it's funny because you talk, when I see that verse, I think very much like what you went through in 2020. Like you're you're still continuing the race. You're not going to pout. You're not, you're over it. I'm curious for you how important your faith's been, not just in your life, but throughout your career and the success you've had. Man, I mean, it's been it's been everything. Um, it completely got me through that that time period in 2020. I think yeah. if I hadn't been in such a strong place in my faith, that you know things could have turned out very different uh, for me moving on uh, into that that Olympic year in 2020 in the senior level. Um, but I think it's really just given me a a a, a thing to value that you know, isn't, it's the most consistent thing in the world, you know, that, that Jesus is, you know, my my savior and I have that constant, constant rock in my life. So whenever something gets taken away or changed, um, it's like, man, that's just, that's just life. But I, I have something that is beyond that, that I'm striving for. And, you know, that's what, that's what I value instead of, you know, just, the accolade or getting your hand raised it's like okay that sucked move on keep doing what i'm doing and that that was such a huge part of not only 2020 but there's just so many ups and downs in the sport of wrestling Um, yeah much can happen you can do everything right and sometimes it just doesn't work out and uh especially in the senior level you just don't get to compete as much so when you do get to compete and you just don't have it that day or something, it can really kind of just mess with you a little bit. Yeah. You know, in college, you go through the whole Big Ten season, you wrestle everybody, you can have a good Big Ten season and, and have a great postseason or vice versa. You can you can wrestle bad all year and really pull it out at the end. Um, but in freestyle, especially at the senior level, it's like you get everything's just about that one opportunity in June. Um, so my faith has just been a really, really good um, thing for me to just remind me of something bigger than than wrestling. Yeah. I love how Brandon Slay, you know, he started a podcast called Greater Gold, which that's that's the premise for it. And I, mm-hmm. he's, if he's listening, he's got to keep doing that podcast. I know he's been busy, but it, it's such a great premise. And it's it's funny you say that too because like health and timing, I talk about it all the time on this podcast. 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to hear the stories of guys like you and others and realize how much time is a factor in someone's success. And it's funny because we, on the surface, it, it seems like there's always chatter behind the scenes on maybe like, it's almost like fans do this. I know it's like you put, you put like degrees on somebody's world championship, you know, or like, man, they went through this or they went through that, or even an NCAA championship. Like you see it where you have, you can have, you know, Spencer, Yanni, three, four time NCAA champions in your weight class. And you can look at a different weight class. that's pretty wide open and say, man, one of those weights was a lot harder to win than the other. Yeah. But the timing and health, both are very much out of your control. You can do whatever you want to stay healthy and your body can just react differently one day. And I think it's funny the number of champions of all levels that have been on this podcast that I do think use their faith to help them not only navigate the success and the highs and the lows, but to kind of be that steadfast perspective through it all. Cause I imagine like when you have those ups and downs, big tens, NCAAs, I'm imagining that's what the first go to is after. Like when you win, sometimes it's harder to kind of not be prideful or whatever, but I'm imagining like the big 10 championship you lost. I'm imagining your faith played a huge part in that, not kind of clinging to that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just kind of that same thing. I, I mean, I, I started to really lean on it. Um, again, after my sophomore year when I was supposed to win and then got upset, and I was that whole year, I was just so up and then so down. You know, I lost in the Penn State duel. Uh, we lost. I crashed that. my truck the way home from that. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll always remember that duel. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just such a rough year. And I was like, this is, this is just emotionally draining. Like, yeah. there's no way this is, um, you know, I can't continue like this. Right. I'm, I'm never going to make it another two years if, if this is how my mental state is. So I really started to just realize how much I have to lean on, uh, you know, just realizing that everything that I, I do on the mat is just a product of what God gives me that day. Yeah. And it's like, you're not guaranteed that God's going to give you all the strength in the world or all the endurance or anything like that. Um, but he always gives you what, what you need for that moment. And just realizing that, Um, and just, you know, asking him every match to just, to just give me what he thinks I need, um, has been, has been huge for me. Um, so any, any loss or win, I try and just ask like, whatever you're trying to show me out of this, like show, show it to me and help me learn and grow from it, which has been really helpful. Yeah. It's a great perspective. Before I, I want to talk Big Tens a little bit this weekend, but switching gears a little bit, or before we switch gears, you were a three-time Big Ten champion. You know a lot about what's coming up this weekend. When yeah. you look back on that accolade, which is not something that many people can say, three-time Big Ten champ, what do you think about the most? Man, it's just, it was so cool. Um, 
I mean, you think you growing up, it's like the Big Ten is just the the conference. Yeah. Um, and always, I grew up with watching guys like Jay Jaggers and Logan Stever, and and even a lot of my teammates like Nate Tomasello and them. And then uh, just to be there and be a part of that history and have success in in that conference and in wrestling um, is something I definitely uh, should appreciate more than I do. Um, I know everyone, you know, just talks about NCAA's, but it really is like a, a little mini mini NCAA tournament uh, yeah. at the ends. And you wrestle those guys all year too. So that's I think that's the hardest part about Big Tens is you just wrestled a lot of these guys within the last two months and now you have to do it again. And so, uh, I always had, you know, good success during the season and to beat guys multiple times in that time frame is not an easy thing. Um, and, and like my freshman year, I'd lost a far, uh, twice. And so on the flip side, it's like that opportunity to, you know, kind of get, get a match back. So it, you really have to think of it as, uh, you know, a mini NCAA is a little jumping off point for that, the big tournament and uh, prepare for it. Like, like it's the big show, honestly. Yeah. And, and initially I wanted to do a whole big 10 preview show. And I was looking through the weights this year. And all of a sudden, I'm going through and I'm making picks. And I'm just writing them down. And I'm like, okay, Spencer wins 25. Roman wins 33. Got to give Real Woods the advantage of 41. I start going through the guys. I'm like, okay, so the one seed in every way. I'm like, absolutely nobody wants me to sit there and say the one seed. But it is interesting. Like, this year especially, it seems like a lot of the weights are very chalk because we've seen the matches and a lot of the comp, a lot of the matchups, there's definitely storylines to follow. Like how healthy is Spencer Lee? Will he mage everybody? Will he, you know, on his way to a Hodge um, in some of these weights, but it's amazing how not only chalk, a lot of it looks like it could go, but how many rematches from the season there are. There's not a lot of matches. It doesn't seem on the surface. It's like, Ooh, we didn't get to see that. If yeah. it goes chalk, I should say. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. Um, you know, at, at least for Ohio State, we didn't wrestle Iowa this year, um, so any of those matchups will be very interesting to me. Um, but I think honestly, a, a big reason for a lot of the matchups being kind of like that's probably what's going to happen is a lot of these guys not only wrestled each other this year, but some guys, especially the top guys, are in. I don't know, their fifth or sixth year of college. So they've wrestled each other probably like, I don't know, seven times maybe throughout their college careers. And so it's, there's, that takes away a little bit of the, uh, what's going to happen conversation. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, uh, some weights, I think 41 is going to be very interesting. I know For- Real Woods is, is, as solid as they come and he's pretty established, but there are some, some young guys and just um, some people that can make some noise, I guess. I think those young weights is where we're really going to see some excitement. You know, 
if the if the seeds hold, let's say you have Brock Hardy of Nebraska and Bo Bartlett in a semi, and the winner potentially gets Real Woods, I think that's a super interesting matchup. If you have, you know, forty nine has been such a gauntlet this year with everybody just trading losses, and you have all these questions like how healthy is Gomez? You know, we saw him medical forfeit or injury default, I think, a couple of weeks ago. You've got Shane Van Ness, Penn State, always seems to do good in March. Like You have these younger weights I think are going to be super exciting. And I'm a Penn State fan, so obviously I'm going to say this, but I, I think Penn, it's Penn State's tournament to lose. But yeah. Iowa-Nebraska 2-3 could be a very, very fun team race to watch. And you can see some of those matchups, like if Peyton Robb, and Kobe Russell at 57 in a semifinal, and then Levi Haynes, Kendall Coleman in the other semi, that to me could be arguably one of the most fun weights. I'm obviously rooting for a Levi Haynes, Peyton Rob semi, I think that, or a final. I think that would be awesome. Um, But I had tweeted out a little while ago, like, do all the one seeds are big favorites or at least have a strong justification as to why do you happen to have a non one seed favorite that you could see winning? Uh, a little biased, but Mendez. Okay. I think Mendez, he's uh, he's tough. He's the real deal. Um, it's really impressive to see a guy right out of high school, um, compete, with the maturity that guy has. Um, it's really cool to see. Um, I'm trying to go through the weights in my head. The biggest responses I got were Labriola. That was a, that cause I tweeted out Labriola got a lot of responses. Um, yeah. Who's the two seed. So even that's not a huge, you know, uh, upset Patrick Kennedy, the three seed at 65 got a lot of comments. Yeah. That'll be an interesting weight too. I mean, uh, I, is Amin the one seed for 65? Or um, 65, uh, Hamity the one, Cam Amin the two, Patrick Kennedy the three, Facundo the four. Yeah, I think that'll be a very interesting weight. Um, just because, I mean, the way Hamadi wrestles too is like, it, it's extremely fun. Um, but just those fun matches, stuff can happen, you know, like for anybody. Well, and that's why I said, like, I'm absolutely rooting for chaos. I'm making no bones about it. Like, just give me chaos. And the cool thing about 65 is we did not see. So what the semis would be if the top four seeds hold would be Hamadid Facundo in the top, which we didn't see this year. And then Cameron Amin, Patrick Kennedy in the bottom, which we didn't see. So it's one of those rare weights where... I don't think Cameron Amin wrestled in the Michigan Iowa duel. And then Hamini and Facundo, I don't think Penn State and Wisconsin wrestled each other's share. So that could be a very, very fun weight. These these Penn State freshmen, like Patrick Kennedy is a stud, and so is Facundo. If it was Facundo versus Kennedy, I don't know if you watched that match, but it was like 2-1 overtime win. Thrilling match that People are kind of pounding that they wanted more offense, but they're two young freshmen who are just yeah. getting going that I think like Mendez, uh, he's so tough. I don't think he's going to beat Roman this year, but like next year, 
Like Roman's hey, gone, yeah. Fix is gone. Like he is, he's great. Some of these kids coming right out of high school lately are just, it, it's crazy. Because I remember where I was at that point, like maturity wise. And it's funny you talk yeah. about Mendez like maturity. Because I yeah. would say the dumbest years of my life were probably like 18 to 20. Like just if if I ever looked in the mirror and said you were a loser at this age, it was 18 to 20. I didn't know any yeah. better. So it's crazy the level of maturity some of these kids have. Um, yet I think heavyweight's going to be super fun too. Heavyweight's a super fun weight where you have Mason Paris, Kirk Philly, Cassiope, Lucas Davis in the top four. And they've all kind of traded losses over the past couple of years. You know, Mason Paris has looked incredible this year. The kids wrestling every opportunity he gets. I think he's got like the most wins out of all the number one seeds. Maybe Peyton Rob has more than him. Um, but you know, Cassiope has what it takes. Kirk has what what it takes. Davison's right up there. He's a stud. Yeah, I think what'll be really interesting too is just what happens um on the backside of a lot of yeah. these tournaments. Um, especially for the the more open weight classes like fifty seven um and and forty one, like it's really just going to set up people either really great or really poorly at nationals, um, you know, just seeding wise. So I know, was it last year? It was last year in Nebraska at big tens. I want to say a lot of people either like forfeited in the final. There were last year thing. was, we were actually DMing about it because yeah. there was, I, I can't remember who it was, but, Right out, right out of the gate last year, you started seeing the medical forfeits, the injury defaults, like crazy on the backside. Because um, I remember I tweeted one out. I'll tell you who it is after the show because I don't want to throw them under the bus. But you had, I had tweeted out like so and so's medical forfeiting, and you had DM me and said why, <laughs> and I'm like, well, we know the answer as to why, but I, I'm really hoping we don't see a lot of that. It's also like I under. Here's the the funny thing is, if you're going to make the argument that, you know, a lot of the athletes responses to why people are wrestling less nowadays is because they're wrestling so much more in the youth level. So by the time they get to college, their bodies are more beat up. I get that. But if you're also wrestling less and then your medical forfeiting, what's the point? Yeah, like you got you kind of got to pick one like either. Wrestle 30 matches, and then, hey, if something happens and you can't go because you've put on the line, okay, maybe. But yeah. I, I do think, you know, to bring this conversation to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, like the fifth, sixth-year seniors, where it's like, well, no, duh. You think about how long they've been wrestling for, and with in between that and NIL, like not all these guys are coming back for the love of the sport. They're doing it for NIL. They're doing it to win a national championship in March. So a lot of it's very wrestlers nowadays are a lot more tactful with how they approach a yeah. season. And I don't know how much of that is, you know, for college athletes specifically, I don't know how much of that is athlete versus coach. You know, it seems like when I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, Hey, are you wrestling this weekend? A lot of times the answer seems to be no coach is going to have me stay home and rest. It's not like an athlete is saying, hey, I'm not going this week. And I know some coaches are more vocal. I saw 
Tom Ryan was um, responding a couple weeks ago, like, hey, if our guys are healthy, like if they're healthy enough to compete, they're competing. We're not sitting them. Yeah. And obviously some of the responses were, well, definitions of healthy enough to compete is, is a very vague term you can use. But it is, I think a lot of these coaches are trying to figure out how to get their guys to the top of the podium in March and whether they're right or wrong, they're going to do what they think that is. Yeah. I think it's, it's a weird balance of like, uh, maybe, maybe a kid doesn't think he's ready, but the coach is like, no, I think, you know, you, you can definitely like push through this and win. Like maybe we need you or something like that. Or if a kid's like too hurt and he just, he is a goer and is like, Hey, I want to wrestle. And the coach is like, I just don't think it's smart. You're not that healthy. Maybe you need yeah. to sit out this one. We don't need you for this duel. Um, it's a very interesting balance. Um, but I think for me, like at Big Tens, I took a lot of pride in how Ohio State did at Big Tens and how I did at Big Tens. Like my junior year or senior year, I think we took third or fourth at Big Tens. And I was like, dang, like this, this kind of stinks. Like, <laughs> We lost with Michigan beat us at Big Tens, like or Nebraska beat us at Big Tens, like what the heck? Like, come on. And uh so for me personally, I I take a lot of pride in how Ohio State does um at these tournaments. Like obviously I was really fortunate with the teams I was on. We won my freshman and sophomore year. Um and that was the the team winning was almost, you know, bigger than in my championships, I, I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world that we won big tens. Um, and so I, I wish, and I don't want to speak for people, but I, I, I almost wish people took that part of the sport, like a little more seriously. I, I like rivalries. I think they're awesome. I don't like losing. Um, and so for me, when it was a big tens, it was like, I didn't want to lose lose to a team that I didn't think we should have or then that were better than yeah um, that played a big part of it for me so like my my junior or my senior year I had like um pulled um an oblique or like popped a rib out of place or something I was putting numbing patches on it getting it <laughs> shot up like it it hurt really bad but I was like I want to win big tents. Like I want, yeah. I want to place top three. I want a medal. I want to get a team trophy. Like, so stuff like that. I, I wish people took a little more, uh, pride in, I guess. And I think it just is way better for the sport and for the fans. When you see guys out there battling, just not only for their own accolades, but like, Hey, I want the team to do really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that does play like a really, really big part of it. Yeah. Especially in the postseason where you say like, there's a lot of team pride on, what place you take and and being there for your teammates. And I I think some of the, some of the fun, some of the most fun tournaments that I've like been rooting for. Like I always tell people, like I didn't really choose to become a Penn state fan. Cal was a client of mine, became a friend of mine. I started rooting for Penn state and they happened to get very good, but it was a lot more fun rooting for them back then when they were like an underdog or it was more competitive. Whereas like, if your team, whether you're a fan or on the teammate, if it's almost like, like I think I saw the odds this morning, Penn State's like minus 500 to yeah. win NCAAs. It's like the team race makes it very fun. You know, yeah. like 
there's I don't want to admit on the podcast, so I won't, that I was excited when Kyle won in 2018 in NCAAs. But as a Penn State fan, I'm sure some people were. But like that's what makes it like so fun. Like that that aspect of like making it a team sport, even though it's individual sport, like, there's so much fun to it when you do compete. And even your seasons, I mean, I want to say you wrestled an average, what, 30 matches? Yeah, I was always like 27 and four or 27 and three. So yeah, I was right around, right around 30. If I didn't, I was at like U23s or something. I think yeah. the year I was at U23s, maybe I missed an open tournament or two. So I was a little low on matches, but. that That's um, funny too. Like I was going back and forth with someone on Twitter about like number of matches this year. And they said, well, you know, Yanni doesn't deserve the one seed because he only had 15 matches. I'm like, well, he missed five from the Cliff Keen Open because he was at the World Cup. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, maybe a mulligan for that one. Like some of these guys, like, and I said, like, Yanni's a very unique one because he's on the senior level world team. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, he's a hundred percent right now focused on winning world championship and then winning NCAA championship. So you do have some people who are like trying to curate their body for the year. And one thing I don't think people realize that I think maybe it was. Kevin Dresser was explaining this to me. People often lose sight that a team has people at all different talent levels. So you might want to rest a veteran who needs it versus getting matches for a freshman who needs to build confidence and you have different health levels. And when you have a schedule, you know, for once you get to the senior level, you make your own schedule pretty much or coaches making it specifically for you in college, the entire team, with people of different accolades, different talent, all the same schedule. So yeah. it's really not a surprise that you see lineup changes in a sport like that, where it is at the end of the year, you're, I don't want to use the word judge, but like at the end of the year, your test is an individual championship. So of course, throughout the year, you're going to have those moments where individually something is different for one kid versus another. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think I saw that play out with, uh, you know, Snyder as he got older. Um, I think that his senior year, I don't think he wrestled that many matches. He, he didn't year at all. Um, but then like we wrestled Michigan and it was a very close duel and coach was like, Hey, we're going to need you for this duel. Actually, and- he wrestled 18 <laughs> matches the senior year. What's that? So he wrestled his second most matches the senior year. Really? Oh, Be- I guess. Because, well, it makes sense. Freshman year was 30 and four. But then that's also when he won the world championships. Then he was only 11 and 0 his sophomore year, 17 and 0 junior year, 17 and 1 senior year. That second year, he didn't wrestle until the second half of the season. He was supposed to yeah. enter that year. And then they, they pulled him out of that. I pulled it like mid January. <laughs> it was late. Yeah. Yeah. So a big reason for that was to get Miles to also pull his uh red shirt, which worked out for everybody. Yeah. Right? Well, um, Ohio State fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, but it was interesting because they were like, Hey, we're, we're gonna need you for this Michigan duel, and he ended up losing to Coon. Uh, we still won the duel, but he ended up losing a match that he probably didn't need to wrestle or probably didn't want to wrestle. Um, but it was cool to see him like 
you know, Hey, we need you. All right. I'll be there. And, uh, so it's just, I don't think the fans, the fans will never know what everything that's going on. Um, especially, you know, just in people's lives and the situations and that there, there's always going to be that struggle of like, why is this happening? Yeah. Um, and I wish everyone could see behind the curtain, but at the same time, it's like, how much, how much does the fan need to know? Like, just, just show up and, and cheer people on. Like, it, it is frustrating, but to a point, it's like, I, the I way I, the way I've said it to a few of my athletes who are clients is as an athlete, I think the the curtain is up to you how much you want to open it and let people in behind it. There's definitely injuries, relationships, all sorts of stuff that happen that normally is nobody's business. I do think that for especially an athlete who wants to grow an audience, grow a fan base, the more you do share, the more you are transparent. I think it's more of an opportunity to build that loyalty. Like if, if a coach tells an athlete, Hey, you're not wrestling this weekend. I don't think the athlete has to go like a college athlete has to go on Twitter and say, Hey guys, just so you know, I'm not wrestling this weekend. But I do think if they do that, it builds a little bit of a level of loyalty, you know, in the transparency, but I definitely think wrestling is a unique situation where I think you see more often the, I think you see a, a huge lack of communication on one end more than like over communication. And there's also some old school thinking where it's people trying to game. I'm not going to tell you this because you're, you know, th there's like the, the gamification of it, which I think is, is not unique to wrestling. It's most sports, but I do think there's an opportunity if the athletes communicate more, like I've always said, if, if you're not asking the fan for anything, you don't owe them anything. If yeah. you're saying, come to my camp, buy my shirt, come sit in the seats at this event. Well, uh -huh. then you do. You should give them the the benefit, the luxury of, you know, following you. But it's it, but it's not a black and white answer for everyone. I think it's very much up to the athlete, their life, what they're comfortable with, because it is very easy to get lost when like I tell some people who struggle with it, don't consume it, create it. Like if you're putting out the content, that's one thing. If you're putting it out there, then reading your rankings and what so-and-so thinks and so-and-so thinks like, I know I'm even careful when I put something out because I know I offend people like wrestlers. Cause if you give one person praise, another person takes it as a dig yeah. or if you cover something, so it, it it's not black and white. I have to, my little audience, I still have to like not read every comment when it's like, you know, why is he doing this? Why is he saying that? You shouldn't do this. It's like, okay, calm down, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know how we digress to that, but wrapping this up, Big Ten should be fun. I am rooting for absolute chaos. Absolutely. I am rooting for like a number one seed to go down in the first round. I'm rooting for also this. It's funny. Big Tens is obviously we're probably both in line with like being big 10 followers above any other conference. Uh -huh. 
Mm-hmm. But it's starting to get very interesting. Some of these other conferences and their weights. Like I think the ACC um, championship is 157. You have Austin O'Connor, Bryce Andoni, and Ed Scott. That's going to be great. You yeah. have the Pac-12s. We're at 165. You have David Carr and Keegan O'Toole in a potential rematch in the finals. Some of these conferences are really starting to build up where I put on um, – it's on BashMania.com, but it's also on Rockfin – where like I put all the different seeds, all the schedules, all the streams, because it is getting to that point to where, number one, every single conference championship is very easy to stream. You might have to get another service, but they're all there. You can watch them all. And there, there's that talent depth where it's growing. And I think I saw like Andrew Spay at Flow put something about, about the 157 at ACC championships and how deep it is. And it's super cool. So we're, you know, Big Tens for us is the Holy Grail, but there's a lot of great conference wrestling this weekend mm-hmm. that I think is going to be very exhilarating. Um, if you had to pick a dark horse for Big Tens, a true dark horse, and not like a two seed, like again, Levi Haynes is a big one, Labriola is a big one that people are picking, and it's like, okay, those aren't really dark horses, but. I get, I said non-number one, they're non-number one. Who would you pick if you had to pick a dark horse? Not even to win, just to have a very good tournament. I mean, all the guys that pop into my head are Ohio State guys, but... Uh... Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think the one guy that that sticks out to me is uh is Patty, Patty Gallagher. Um, he he's had so many like close matches, and he just couldn't yeah. figure out how to win that that toss up match. And I think what we saw in the last two weeks is he's kind of finally starting to figure out how to compete um, in those really close matches and just stay level headed at the end of those matches. He almost beat Peyton Rob. Um, at the home, it was a super close match. Yeah, he had that good match against Michigan State, um, in, or uh, Northwestern. Um, so I think his trajectory is just straight up. Uh, from here, he's had a kind of a tough season. He's real low ranked. Um, I don't know if he'll win it, but I I do think he's in a good spot right now to where he could place really high at Big Tens and get a good seat at. Yeah, his ranking, I don't think, is adequate for his talent. Like, I think a lot of times where rankings are fun is if you don't follow something too closely, you can kind of get a rough gauge for where that person is. But, like, I thought that was one of Levi Haynes' best wins. He majored him, and I said, and if you just looked at the ranking, you're like, oh, Levi's got better wins than that. But, like, no, Patty Gallagher is a bad dude. Like, to, to, I think it was like 14-5 or something. Um He's definitely talented. A couple names that stick out to me that I think to watch for, like not a top four guy. I think Lenny Pinto, Nebraska, he's a stud. He's a seven that could wreak havoc. I think, you know, saying a seven could wreak havoc isn't a huge whatever, but still seven. I think he um, he's dangerous. I, I don't know what it is, but Brody Teske I feel like has had a, a very interesting year where he's had a very interesting entire college career yeah. between, you know, starting at 
Penn State, going to UNI, going to Iowa. He's got the talent, though, to be dangerous. So wouldn't put it past him um, to have a great tournament. There's some of these guys, too, like Braxton Amos, who you know are just so talented. He's an eight seed. Like, you yeah. know some of these guys can just – I don't want to say turn it on because it's not that easy where it's like, oh, just turn it on and go. Mm-hmm. But when you have that kind of talent, you know that if all of a sudden they go on a run, it's not a huge, like, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the the tricky thing is, you know, the ranking might be justified or the seed might be justified. But yeah. if you look at all the matches, they might have lost – all their they might all their losses might be like two points, yeah, or something like that. So it's like you just never know when something's gonna click for that guy. Even though it's like the, it, their ranking isn't you know unjustified or they're not getting like screwed over or anything. But yeah, like you said, they they definitely have the talent. Um, I love Braxton. I hope he does have a good tournament. Hey, he's um, a good dude. Gallagher at yeah. twelve is good. I do this um this NCAA, I don't know if you call it fantasy, whatever you do, but you basically pick a guy, you buy in. So I guess it's like fantasy sports. You buy into a pool and you pick one through ten. You gotta pick a guy at each weight, and you can only pick one one seed, one, two, one, three, one, four. So you basically pick ten guys, a one through a ten seed, and it's tough because yeah. you I I want it in 2021 and it's usually like you like i had shane griffith who was like an eight or a nine Uh well alex marinelli getting hurt a lot of weird things happened that year where it's fun i gotta text my guy and see if he's doing it for big tens because that'd be fun if we went as low as 12 i'd pick that Gallagher. i think with some of them you can pick like for you got to pick a 10 seed. I think you can pick like a 10 through 15 maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that sounds actually really fun. It, it's super fun. We do it every year for um, NCAAs. I'll try to get you into it this year. Okay. But yeah, the, it, it's going to be fun. I'm hoping it doesn't go chalk and I'm hoping there's not a bunch of medical forfeits. I just want to see some good wrestling. I feel like wrestling is, is due for a great postseason. Just like chaos wrestle through pain like i just yeah i'm here for it yeah i think it will man uh, the postseason's always crazy something always happens um i'm i'll be there i'm i'm driving up tomorrow uh so hopefully i'm gonna have some popcorn and watch some good wrestling i want it to go my problem is is especially as all the talent grows at different conferences not being able to watch other conferences that's yeah. the one negative with going where it's like it's hard enough to follow one tournament like that in its entirety, let alone there's all this other stuff going on. So I'm going to be having all the different screens going. It should be good Um, for you. Competition wise, what's next open? Yeah. U.S. Open. Is it just are you doing Pan Ams this year? Do you know yet? Uh, So at, at the the weights where there's no medalist, the winner of the open goes to Pan Ams. So That's if you right. win the open, you basically get on a plane the next day. Yeah, it's it's right after that, isn't it? Like the next next week or something. Yeah. yeah. And if you win the open, you're also you go right to final X, right? If you're Yes. Yeah. So I kind of like at first I didn't like it, but the more I thought about it, I, I think the new system 
uh, is good. But just just because the U.S. Open or Senior Nationals or whatever they call it now, it just wasn't a very good tournament anymore. Um, nobody, no, it, it fell off big time for a while. Nobody really went to it because there was no point. It was like, oh, I'm going to go wrestle these guys at the Open. Maybe I'll sit or get the one seed. You didn't even sit in the finals or the trials anymore. You just yeah. got the one. And it's like, oh, I'll just rest. You just wrestle everybody again uh, like a month later. So it's, me, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to that. Like, It was very fun. Like I started going to the open like 2017, maybe 2018. Yeah. It, it was so fun for a couple of years. And then it just kind of fell off. I, I love putting a priority on the open. I wish I could go this year. I can't because baby number two is due like that week. Oh, so baby. I don't think. Thanks. I don't think I can make it happen. My only concern, but I do think the pros outweigh the cons. My only concerns is it's weird to me on the surface that a tournament that has so much weight is an open tournament that absolutely anybody can wrestle. Yeah. That's my only, that's my only qualm is because it's an open tournament. You could get people who try dangerous stuff, aren't safe. That's, but I overall, I think the pros outweigh the cons. That would be my one, like, ugh, can we, like, put some kind of qualification on this so you don't have, you know, yeah. Joe hopping off a roof and the next day he's at the Open? I literally wrestled, uh, like, a 45-year-old, 50-year-old dude one year. I know. I, I got to be careful talking about him because – so I mentioned him, and, like, his daughter tweeted, like, the next day, like, that's my dad or something. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I, I can't remember if it was to my tweet or somebody else, but I'm wondering, I, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm like, it's just funny that yeah, there's it, like <laughs> a nice guy, but it was, it was very interesting. I was like, wait, who do I have? Like, yeah. Like, and like, if, I guess it's cool. Like, <laughs> like you said, there's, I was in my head. I was like, there's, there's literally only a downside for me here. Like, yeah. Just thinking like you got to get on top and just turn them and tech him right away so he doesn't, you know, I don't get hurt. That was my biggest fear in that match was just, like, something weird happening. Yeah, that's my only qualm. I, I love the importance that they're putting on the Open. The Open is, the Open is, like, NCAA is the tournament to go to every year. Like, you see everybody. There's nothing like it. But Vegas in the Open, the Open in Vegas in April is, like, the, the diehards tournament. Like, it's where you go and, like, you're all going down to the casino floor in between rounds or every coach is there. You're hanging out. It's a fun time. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, any final words before I let you go? Go bucks. <laughs> all right. Hey, I, I offered, so I, I'm not going to refute that. I will say go Nittany lions. I, I am rooting for the lions, um, yeah. but yeah, this has been fun. If you guys are listening, go follow uh, Colin. He's on, Twitter, Instagram. I'll link it all up below so you don't got to try to spell it all out. And uh, we'll do this again soon, man. I hope uh, you guys have a fun... I hope the Browns have a successful combine week this week. I wouldn't count on it, but we'll see. <laughs> but I can still wish it for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, man. See ya. And the beat goes on.